Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshah.net. The politics of Twitter and post-pandemic boundaries. I hate to bring the C word up again, especially so soon after we seemed as a nation to decide that COVID-19 was all over and we should start shaking hands, giving each other hugs and having bonfires fueled by hand sanitizer. I am joking about the last bit, just don't try it kids. But while I don't think any teacher in the country would ever want to return to the burn of distance learning, we probably learned a few lessons about teaching. Technology obviously played a big part in this, but it also raised some interesting questions. Because when it comes to technology use, it comes with the balance of being able to switch off from it. And in this episode, I'm going to discuss how the pandemic affected our boundaries and how technologies such as social media played a part in that. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education. Now, people often say that Twitter is a waste of time. Right now, for example, my Twitter feed is telling me that I might be interested in reading tweets about Leeds United's defeat to Chelsea, that one of the members of Derry Girls is dating a DJ from Glasgow, or that Ariana Grande wore a sports bra to her brother's wedding. These are things that are currently trending as I'm writing the notes for this episode. However, also trending, is the term is this phrase SNAs special needs assistance and if I click on this I will see that the home summer provision has been announced by the Minister for Education which is a scheme where children with additional needs can be taught at home in the summer. The rates of pay have also been announced and depending on your job your rate will be different. Now, SNAs is trending on Twitter because they are being offered about a third of the rate of pay of teachers, but perhaps, maybe more controversially, less than a student would be paid if uh, a student in college would be paid. Yes, of all the social media platforms, I find Twitter to be remarkably useful. Yeah, I know I'm, I can, you know, we have all that stuff about Ariana Grande or someone from Derry Girls or even the football from the night before, which, you know, clutters the space. And, you know, I outside of that, I find is Twitter is where I get most of my education news. Now, I'm not going to go as far as, let's say, the teaching council once did. Now, I haven't even started this podcast, but I'm, and I'm already going off on a tangent. But I really think it's too mad not to tell you this because I mentioned it, uh, this teaching council thing. I think it's brilliant. Um, now, you probably won't think it's brilliant, but I think it's brilliant. Um, 
you may not know this, but the Teaching Council, for those of you not in teaching, is a body that's supposed to professionalise the teaching profession. You know, like the, the, is it the Law Council or the Legal Council or the, the Medical Council? Well, the Teaching Council is something similar, which is supposed to be a, a self-regulating body for teachers, despite the fact that very few teachers have any role in, in its regulation. But for 65 euros a year, um, down from 90 euros when it started off, you get... Now, wait for it. You get a teaching council number and you get access to a library of academic studies. But wait, wait, there's more. There's an annual festival, yeah, and a cuddly toy. Actually, no, you don't get a cuddly toy. I made that bit up too. Um, yeah, so in order to be a member, you need to be a qualified teacher. And that's it. You don't need anything else. Uh, to be a member of the Teaching Council, apart from having 65 euros spare, uh, all you need is a qualification as a teacher. Now, some of you might wonder, how did this all work before the Teaching Council came along in the, in the around 2003, I think it was? Well, all you needed to prove to be a qualified teacher was to have a teaching qualification, which you would show uh, which, which would need to be proven to your employer and to the Department of Education. Um, and you used to get this contract that was based on your qualification. However, because there seems to be a lot of people out there that love creating jobs that don't really need to exist, there is now a quango that spends a huge amount of time justifying its existence by making up ways to make it harder to become registered as a teacher. They do these lovely things like every every year they um, send you an email to remind you to re-register uh, on the Teaching Council because and if you don't, you have to go off and you have to get all of your uh, paperwork that you used, that, that you had already and so on and so forth because somebody in an office needs to process that paperwork and, you know, because God knows what would happen if every year you didn't re-register a teacher. Your qualification might suddenly disappear because you haven't paid 65 euro do you know what i mean so you know there's these things they have to happen and they also put lovely arbitrary boundaries in the way uh, so people from countries from t countries outside of ireland have to spend years tracking down exam scripts from colleges that might not even exist anymore but this isn't enough to keep them busy you see you know i mean that if that was enough to keep them busy you know it might be a part-time thing no 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 so what they've done is they've invented entirely pointless schemes with huge amounts of bureaucracy and paperwork to do and the most famous of which was drit which i'm not going to talk about today because otherwise this podcast would go on for hours but they've also come up with something called Cusson they love their Irish names all these quangos don't they footpath or stepping stones or whatever Cusson it's a path basically which was rejected uh, by its members by, uh, by teaching council members have absolutely rejected the idea of Cusson. Um, even the even uh, even members of the of the teaching council themselves opposed the idea of Cusson. But it came in anyway, even though nobody really knows what it's there for. You see, what Cusson when it was when it was introduced and why it was roundly rejected by uh, the teaching profession was supposed to be a scheme 
where teachers would have to log their CPD, so their professional development. So when they did approved courses in, in inverted commas, or if they did further training, they might be able to get credits um, for those. And the idea behind Cusson at the beginning was that teachers would have to get a certain number of credits every year to remain a member of the teaching council. Do you see? Teachers reacted furiously to this. They were rightly claiming that it demonstrated a complete mistrust of the profession. So the teaching council, you know, they listened. To be fair, they listened and they set up my favourite thing, a consultation. Yes. And I was at one of them. And I don't remember much about it, except and, you know, uh, by the way, just before I say what, what happened, Cusson is now, I don't even know what Cusson's for anymore. You, you hear, see the word mentioned from time to time, but it's not, now you don't have to do a certain amount of CPD to remain a teacher. It just seems that, and you hear things about this will count towards your Cusson, but I have no idea what the measurement is. There, there doesn't seem to be one. Um, it's, it's very odd. I don't, I actually don't know what it is. Um, I don't think anybody really knows what it is, but I think if they say something enough, people will feel, yes, yes, we, we do cuss on in our school. I, I don't know, or maybe all CPD is just going to be called cuss on from now on. I, I, I honestly don't know. But anyway, at this consultation, this is for me why I went off on my tangent. Um, the facilitator at the time when people were giving out stink about having to do this CPD and getting credits for it and so on, um, he said... He thought that the use of Twitter could be considered for credits under Cusson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, generally that happens. Sorry, maybe that's a bit of a letdown. I, I thought it was funny, uh, to be honest. Now, I, I think I'd have a PhD by now if Twitter use was counted towards any academic achievements. But it's, it's amazing, um, really, how mad um, the work of the Teaching Council is. Anyway, while I can't bring myself to say that Twitter is the best CPD you'll ever have. It is a place I do go to uh, to get my education news in the main because that's where it's posted. The Department of Education, to be fair to them, do release a lot of their information on Twitter before they release it to schools, uh, which may be questionable. But it does go to show, go to show how um, Twitter isn't just a waste of time and, you know, I, you know, for, for people actually, they do, there, there is interesting, good stuff put out there. But I go there as well for good conversations about education because some of the richest and best debates happen there on Twitter. Yes, there's the toxic nonsense from those anonymous trolls, but in the main, there's a wealth of conversation that's actually really helpful. Sometimes, you know, to really get the nuances of certain things. Do you know, you might come in with a particular opinion about something or you might be wondering, why is this happening? Like, why do we have cuss on at all? Uh, for example, I really should ask that on Twitter. And, um, you know, you'll generally get people who know um, uh, about education who are on there. It's, it's, it's used by um, a number of different people, not just teachers, but you've got education professionals, you've got uh, university lecturers in education and you've even got uh, people working for patron bodies and, and often you know from these conversations you'll actually get very good information and sometimes it will come into debate depending on what you're talking about uh, usually I mean if it's to me it's usually about patronage but um, you know that's that's very very useful and one such useful moment came a few weeks ago uh, when a Twitter user called Redman Tech tweeted me with a link to a Sky News story where a teaching union in the UK said, since the pandemic, 
parents and children feel they can have access to teachers 24-7. Now, Redman Tech wondered, would it be interesting to hear how teachers in Ireland feel about their boundaries and whether they've been eroded due to COVID? So just to give you some context, I'm going to read a little bit of the Sky News story, well, more than a little bit, um, because it's, um, I think it's kind of interesting. So um, here, here's the Sky News story. Teachers have spoken about the impact of the pandemic on their mental health and how parents now feel they have access to them 24 hours a day. Member Sharon Bishop told NASUWT Teaching Union Conference in Birmingham, parents and students now feel they they can access teachers 24 hours a day, seven days a week since the pandemic. Many of us have been told, this is uh, Bishop speaking, many of us have been told to download apps such as Class Dojo, uh, which is an educational tech app, to our phones, and parents and students have got into the habit of firing off emails 24-7, she said. Ms. Bishop said these messages can be banal, bizarre, and sometimes, more worryingly, aggressive and accusatory. Now, the article goes on to talk about the impact it's having on teachers' health, and many teachers in Ireland gave parents direct access to their email for the first time during the pandemic, and I suspect none of that above article would surprise you. The hardened among you will probably just simply say, don't check your school email outside of hours, you, and that'll stop it. And to be honest, these people are right. So before I go on, stop this podcast, hit pause, and, you know, and what you're going to do now is you're going to uninstall your school email from your phone. So do that now, okay? Just hit pause, uninstall that school email from your phone. I mean, I'll and I'll be here when you get back. Um, while you're doing that, I'll just read about Ariana Grande's brother's wedding or something. Um, but seriously, anyway, I'm sure you've, you've, you haven't switched off, have you? Are you still there? Anyway, but seriously, sometimes it isn't that easy with all the apps we needed to install during the pandemic. Seesaw, Google Classroom, and all those kind of things have notifications, as does Aladdin, which is a very popular app uh, for, for most schools, and so on. And I've heard that some parents have found their teachers, I found actually some teachers find their, uh, some parents find their teachers, their, their kids' teachers on social media and send them messages like on their personal Facebook account or on Instagram or whatever it might be. I mean, I remember a few years ago getting a message on Facebook from some absolute randomer. Um, nothing to, uh, basically nothing, I, I, I don't talk about parents or anything or any of my school life really uh, on this podcast because that's not fair. But um, I will tell you this one, there was um. I got a message on Facebook from some randomer uh, to tell me the lights were on in my school one evening on Facebook Messenger. Now, I mean, it was a well-meaning one, but I have had ones that weren't uh, well-meaning and I've had quite a few. And as I said, I don't want to talk about them here. I save those for my memoir. I don't have a memoir. I may never have a memoir. I'm just, I'm only messing. But I don't want to talk about people that will be able to recognise themselves because that's not fair um, on them and um, I don't want to get into any trouble either. Anyway, the pandemic to me didn't make 24-7 contact for teachers a reality, really. I mean, it's always been been there. I mean, you can always send an email to your, uh, to many, many people could send emails to their teachers any any time of the day on the weekends, uh, after a bottle of wine on 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night or whatever. But like most things, COVID-19 related 
it exacerbated the problems to a larger extent. I mean, even the Department of Education, egged on by its prefects and the representative bodies, demanded school principals hand over their personal phone numbers during the pandemic in case they needed to contact them at any point if there was a confirmed case of COVID-19. And that ensured the principals were on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Now, I decided that I'd ask my Twitter community the question that Redman Tech asked, and it led to some really interesting answers, which I'm going to share with you today and offer some of my own thoughts. I'd also love to hear what you think, too. So please hit me up on my Twitter account, which is Simon M. Lewis. M is uh, Morris, which is my middle name, but uh, some, some guy called Simon Lewis got that Twitter account before me. He actually blocked me, would you believe, um, because he was getting loads of messages for me. And actually, if you do look at his profile, uh, and this might be something you can do, I can't see it. Uh, last time I saw it, it was uh, his, his Twitter, sorry, this is an aside, was Simon Lewis, and the description was, not that Simon Lewis, or the other Simon Lewis, and probably not the other Simon Lewis. I think um, he's based in the UK, and I'd say he knows more about the Irish education system than most UK-based people who are fans of Star Trek, which he appears to be. Um, anyway, you can uh, hit me up on Simon M. Lewis on Twitter, and yes, you can hit me up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I leave my phone in the kitchen on at night on silence. Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all of the tweets that I got in response to it. There wasn't that many, don't worry. And for me, not only does it give some rich experiences to learn from, but I'm also going to read some of the ones that might have been less helpful. And to be fair, in this case, there weren't that many of them. And um, the reason I'm doing that, though, the, the less helpful ones, is similar to a segment. Do you know the American late night host, Jimmy Kimmel? Um, you know, where it's, it's called celebrities read mean tweets about themselves. So you'll get the likes of a celebrity coming on and reading horrible things about themselves that people on Twitter have said. And it's quite, it's quite funny as they kind of, you know, in a way it's, they re-own these horrible people on, uh, on Twitter as they pretend to cry or they, they give it back or whatever. But it's quite funny if you haven't seen it. Uh, to me, though, they also sum up how the pandemic affected boundaries for teachers, which is what I really want to talk about in this episode. And again, while teacher bashing has always been a thing, probably not just in Ireland, but everywhere in the world, the pandemic exacerbated it and made it a national hobby. Every clickbait-hungry journalist only has to utter the word teacher in their headline and the trolls are out clicking like grasshoppers to somehow manage to turn any story about education into something around teachers' holidays and how few hours we work and how dreadful their teachers were to them someday, probably back in 1975 and why teachers are terrible people because of that day. Um, actually, before I do say that, there was a really, really interesting thread on Twitter where some psychologist actually had put something on Twitter that she wanted to thank her teacher who told her she'd come to nothing and look at her now. Now, this person isn't very well known or anything, but for whatever reason, uh, it seemed to give the entire population of Irish Twitter users permission to vent about at least one teacher who they had and how awful they were and why teachers are terrible people. And to be honest, when I was looking at it, it made for depressing reading. The hatred of teachers in this country wouldn't motivate you to become one. 
Um, and I think over 2,000 people commented on this woman's uh, thing about how she how she's uh, thanked her teacher who was told her she'd come to nothing. And when I saw it, I decided I'd do a counter tweet for the laugh and ask people to share a nice story about a teacher they had just to see what would happen. And I got about five comments on topic, all of them from teachers and about 30 from people telling me how terrible uh, about their terrible experience under the eye of one of those awful teachers. Ho-hum. So let's get on with it and uh, see what you had to say about the pandemic and how it affected your boundaries. Well, I suppose to start off with, um, I uh, uh, the, the best way to start off with this is someone who actually did academic research on it. And somebody called Barbara um, replied to this and said, I did some research on this and I presented it at a conference, the ESAI conference this year. And she said, there's definitely been a COVID hangover of sorts with teachers feeling pressure to keep up the high level of constant communication that was initially an emergency response measure. And, you know, in some ways, I think that sums things up. You know, people say Twitter's Twitter's not great for, you know, difficult conversations or anything like that. But in less than 280 characters, I think that is a really good summary. You know, during, uh, before COVID, if you wanted to contact your teacher about things, now sometimes you would have to do it through an office, sometimes you'd have a direct email, but there was very little intensity of it. I, I certainly wouldn't think that people were looking for responses very quickly um, if they had a problem or anything like that. But definitely um, the constant communication during COVID. So there was daily interaction all the time from, uh, from teachers with parents and they would ask questions and answer questions. And you usually get quite a bit of conversation. But this was an emergency measure when the children weren't in school. And really, in reality, it, it hasn't stopped in, in some cases. And um, the expectation is still there that this emergency response is still continuing. Um, I thought it was interesting, some of the responses. Were some, I got a couple of examples of some horror stories. Um, this uh, person said, I had one student alone email me 17 times over two days during the second lockdown. Sitting constantly for hours while doing online classes was difficult to say the least. Having to recreate materials that students could access on their phones meant constant work. It was awful. And another user said, boundaries became blurred. Schools recognised this and discussions were held by some schools as to how to re-establish boundaries and um, another said definitely boundaries are eroded thankfully our principal has tried to rein it in since um, some uh, one uh, interesting thing was a, a principal of a two-teacher school uh, in a very small school two teachers our boundaries have always been virtually non-existent an open door family atmosphere etc with school at home and in inverted commas parents would ring to clarify or ask for help now it's continuing a little bit for some. Small numbers, not a problem, but more could be. So very interesting from a small school perspective where boundaries were not necessarily um, a thing. Um, so um, yeah, very good, to, very good to know that. And very, very interesting. I think, you know, working in a small school, particularly a very, very small school in a very, very rural area, is much more than being a school. Um, in fact, you're, I think you almost have replaced um, you know, or the, 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 the pillars of the community of the past, perhaps the parish priest is less important to uh, the community nowadays. And it's maybe the school principal uh, is that pillar of the community because it may be the only building left in the village where there is uh, some form of a uh, leadership or let's say, or um, person in charge. So kind of um, 
an interesting point, which might be interesting for maybe another conversation around small schools, um, if anyone. I'd actually love to talk to somebody in a two-teacher school about that. Uh, so if you are one and you're listening to this, uh, email me and I'd love to chat to you about it. Um, the, the whole thing about um, 24-7 access, I think, was really, really interesting because I, I mentioned this there briefly a few minutes ago. Uh, a couple of tweets here. Some of the teachers I work with are better at shutting off than others. I've heard messages landing at 10 p.m. and our principal seems to be contactable 24-7 now that a small number of parents are now bypassing the teachers and going directly to that principal. Um, and as an SNA, I won't be work, taking work emails after 3 p.m. Um, and I think that's fairly reasonable for an SNA. Um, but, um, I mean, teachers obviously can't switch off at 3 p.m. We also have our planning and all that kind of stuff to do. But certainly there needs to be a time to cut off. But this is interesting just about the principal. Because the principal has made themselves available 24-7, not um, unsurprisingly, after the government asked them to be contactable 24-7, uh, parents are uh, seeing this as, some parents are seeing this as an opportunity to bypass this, the class teacher. So it's, uh, someone uh, on Twitter said it is a huge issue. The first port of call should always be the class teacher, but now a substantial minority of parents or guardians ring the office to speak to the principal. The chain of escalation needs to be re-established. Really interesting points, and I think principals sometimes and I, I don't like to you know I suppose give out about my my colleagues in any way um but ah, you know sometimes we have to we have to rein in ourselves a little bit and question ourselves if we are if we are available 24/7 we allow ourselves be available for 24/7 we can't complain when people contact us 24/7 we all have to rein it in you don't see very many other professions um, allowing themselves to be contactable um, for that, that amount. And I don't think people would expect us to be um, contactable. Sure, we have to be uh, contactable a bit, uh, for longer hours than others, but not uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, I was really interested in hearing about parents' views, and we got a couple of those. And to be honest with you, um, they're really respectful and, and and not unsurprising because, I mean, again, people look at Twitter and they say, oh, it's all just trolls all the time. But I got no, um, well, I didn't get no parents, but most of the responses from parents are really, really genuine and really interesting and enlightening. Um, this parent said, uh, parents aren't able to email our teachers directly. All the emails go through the office and, uh, and the uh, secretary will send them on. I check emails for important messages in the afternoon and evening and forward um, scheduled for later the next day. If it's important, I'll highlight with the principal to give teacher the heads up. To add, as a parent and staff member of a school, so this is not just a, staff, a parent, they are a teacher or a staff member, I'm often horrified with how teachers are spoken to and addressed. I know it's thankfully a small minority, but they're very vocal and it's shocking what they think is it's okay to treat other people the way they do. This is another parent, as a parent, and this is a good question, as a parent, I do wonder when the best time is to email the teacher. I only hope they read it when they're still on work time, but I can't control that. And that's a very fair point. If I send an email at 11 o'clock in the evening, I don't expect the person to see it, at least for a couple, for a day or two. And I don't expect a reply with, uh, uh, you know, I, give, I generally give a week for a response to an email because I know that sometimes you really have to check things out uh, thoroughly, uh, particularly if it's a difficult question. And because... Um, I mean, if you're a school principal, you'll know your inbox usually has a couple of hundred emails a week coming in. 
it's very, very difficult uh, to be able to answer things quite instantly and give it the uh, feedback it's supposed to be. So, I mean, my advice to a parent there is, you know, feel free to send your emails whenever you are, wherever you feel. But equally, as you've said, um, you know, that they read it on their work time and they don't, it doesn't lapse into it. And again, that is really the responsibility of the teacher, not the responsibility of the parent. So I'd agree with that parent. Now, of course, we had the teacher basher. Our teachers' emails work once a week. I would think their boundaries are well enforced. Well done. That was a good one, wasn't it? I like that. You see, when it comes to these trolls and teacher bashers, um, you know, they really, they can be very smart, you know? You mention the word boundaries and then they uh, stick a nice little dig in there about how little those teachers work. So well done you. And in fairness, I mean, it was pretty much... Um, yeah, I was the only real one I had uh, in response to that. I think someone gave out about the holidays somewhere, but I, I, I don't want to be bothered with that. Anyway, the thing is, though, you get teacher bashers um, for lots of reasons. I know that it's generally because I don't like the fact we have long holidays and very short days. Sure, we only work five months a year and we only work till lunchtime and so on and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes... I can see why you have teacher bashers when you have teachers doing things like this. This was from a student, secondary school student, so I don't, I mean, I focus on primary school. This is, uh, it said, uh, this is the tweet from the student. I'm a student looking for teachers' opinions. A maths teacher sent me a Teams message on Thursday last with work to be done for 5 p.m. the next day, which was a good Friday. And then they sent further work to be done for 9 p.m. the same day tomorrow. We're on holidays. Do students not have the right to disconnect either? Well, to be honest with you, if you have a teacher like that, I am absolutely happy for you to be writing those tweets that I mentioned before about that teacher who ruined your life because that is obviously not reasonable. I think my advice to a student like that or any uh, student who's receiving things like that is they might uh, get, uh, might either directly address that with the teacher um, or they might get their parent if they're young to maybe address that with the teacher because yes, of course, that is unreasonable. But what really came through was the idea of self-boundaries. And the thing about um, the idea about boundaries and education post-pandemic really is the responsibility has to lie with the staff member. And these were three uh, responses about self-boundaries. And I'll just read them. During the first lockdown, in particular, hugely, this is um, the lack of boundaries, but I felt they needed the support this is the parents. So in the first lockdown, there was a huge amount, but I felt they needed support, so we gave the support. However, I've pulled back more towards normal this year. And in fact, even in school, um, I've made sure to leave on time and I'm better with the boundaries uh, because of it. So I'm not quite sure if I understand the last bit of it, but I think what they're saying is they have a switch off time and they're better for it. Their health is better for it. This person said, I've become better at shutting off, having at first seen, at first been too accessible. Early in the pandemic, I was receiving, reading and replying to emails 24-7. But after a few weeks of high stress, I deleted the email from my phone. I only read them from nine to three. And now I only read work emails in school. So that's kind of an interesting response. Um, and the third one there, I quickly learned not to have my work email on my phone any longer. Work is for work. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if I was to give any teacher any advice, and I remember giving the same advice, I would say 10 years ago at an IPPM conference, I advised principals 
right there and then I did was giving a seminar when the IPPN used to let me give seminars uh, on IT I uh, did a, a seminar where I got everybody there to get their phones out and to delete their work email from their phone I tell you it was an uncomfortable few seconds as principals were oh yeah I'm doing it now I, I stood over them and I made sure they were doing it uh, but uh, yeah I'd say a few of them were, were pretending they were doing it all right it's a very empowering thing I recommend it um, I, I mentioned this already, the, the, the disrespect from the Department of Education. Uh, a teacher in a Gwale school said, considering the disrespectful way circulars are sent, it's hardly surprising that some people expect school staff to be available at all times. Yep, this uh, is in relation to during the pandemic. There was a trend for uh, circulars to be sent on a Friday evening after six o'clock um, to ruin uh, schools at uh, principal's weekends. Um, now... I mean, I found it very funny that after a few months, the uh, the prefects, uh, the, when I called the pre, by the way, uh, for those of you who don't listen to the podcast anymore uh, that, that often, the prefects, uh, I uh, I call the prefects, uh, basically the representative bodies, it's the IPPN, the INTO, the UPSMA, all the people who are partners with the, uh, who call themselves partners of the Department of Education. I call them prefects because that describes them, uh, I think, more more accurately. Um, but they, uh, the prefects were basically saying, uh, after a few months when they were kind of, um, they 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 had realised that this was absolutely not on. They they decided they had a, they they were told the Department of Education would try their best not to send emails uh, over the weekend or in on Friday evenings, and they took this as an, a massive victory um, indeed. Uh, so um, yeah, oh, I don't know, but anyway, uh, they're given that uh, on the first day of the Easter or spring break holidays. Um, the um, set allocations came out. Uh, you can see the prefects have absolutely no power whatsoever and the Department of Education do what they want and still have absolutely no respect for schools or their principals. Second, uh, another, the, the next thing that came out strongly because, you know, speaking of prefects, where are the unions, said uh, a Twitterer. Uh, teachers can feel isolated, powerless and bullied. They need to know they can bring down the shutters at a reasonable hour and their unions will support them. And in fairness, what and uh, while teachers have a contract, they don't have a contract for the start and end of a school day. But who has no contract whatsoever? The only person in a school that doesn't have a contract is the principal who is available 24-7. Where are the unions? We have demanded and demanded that the unions would come up with some sort of contract or some sort of guidance on this. But of course, why would they be doing anything like that? Now, um, this person, um, I suppose... <laughs> sums everything up really um, and do you know the tweet of the day shall we say the tweet of the day and I think every teacher will probably uh, recognise this and it came from Caroline and it really summed to be honest with you like the first tweet summed things up in an academic way this summed up things in the way I think most teachers felt and she said the thing that annoyed me the most was after killing myself with all this extra work through the pandemic, being on, being available 24-7, answering emails all day, all night, making videos of myself, having live sessions with the pupils, uh, working twice as hard as I did when, I, uh, when, when, school, when the school buildings were open and we were in, being asked if I enjoyed my extended break. How many of us I've had that one. I personally love the people who gave out about teachers 
when we were working from home, going on and on about how we couldn't possibly be working from home. How could you be working from home in your job? And we're all on the dust. Sure, you're on the dust. On the pub with you, they would say. And you're on the dust. You're doing nothing. And they, while they were doing that, they, they, didn't, they didn't kind of mention the fact that they were working from home themselves. Yeah. Anyway, I'd love to hear from you, as I said, to see if things are starting to go back to normal in terms of boundaries. So I'd love to hear any thoughts you might have if you have them. And I must say, personally, I was disappointed um, to see that some of the positive change, because there were a lot of positive changes uh, that um, COVID-19 brought to our schools in terms of other things. You know, I mean, for example, uh, homework disappeared um, in, in its, in its uh, previous form, traditional homework. Um, and I'm sorry to see, you know, and I, I kind of, I got very disappointed really when I saw that most schools have ended up reverting um, to traditional homework in schools. But I suppose that's for another day and for another conversation. So look, I'll leave it there. I thought uh, nice to hear from uh, people on Twitter. I might do something like this again, where I ask a question on Twitter, get some of the uh, responses and maybe do a bit of comment on it. Uh, I love Twitter, as I said. I think it's a great medium. Yes, you get the trolls. Yes, you get people who tut-tut at the use of Twitter um, and all the rest of it. But to be honest with you, if you want to know what's going on in education, it's the place to be. Uh, it gives you at least one side of the education system that you may not see in the um, official um, documentation or whatever it might be but it really does uh, tell you what's going on on the ground in some places um, and uh, I'd really recommend if you haven't signed up for uh, Twitter as a teacher that you should do and I'd recommend uh, the best place to start to find people is to search for the hashtag edchat i.e. which was set up years ago by a very very fantastic teacher called Fred Boss a secondary school uh, art teacher uh, who no longer runs the, the hashtag it has now become synonymous with all things uh, Irish education um, and uh, well worth searching for interesting conversations on anything to do with um, the Irish education system so really that's all I have to say for it thank you so much for listening uh, we'll catch you again next week I think I have an interview coming up a really interesting one uh, about climate change uh, with two teachers and uh, I look forward to speaking to you then. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>